Wow, I have missed you. Hi, welcome to this brand new episode of What the Actual F. I feel like I shouldn't be so cheery, seeing as how the the matter of which I talk to you about is pretty dark and gruesome, but I can't help but smile right now because I'm here and I'm back. For the first time in weeks, I am here to give you an episode of What the Actual F. So, yes, 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 the tales I have for you are grim and dark and very real and mildly disturbing, but I can't stop smiling because I've missed you so much. So hi, my name is Harmony, I'm the host here, and welcome to this very new, after a long pause, episode of What the Actual F. And if you're a first-time listener, or if you've listened many, many times, thank you for being here. Okay, so what do I have for you today? How am I welcoming everyone back? Well, that is with the Jackie Waller story. The murder of Jackie Waller, a mother of triplets, is another one of those absolutely horrendous criminal cases that happened in Missouri. This happened in 2011, when she and her husband were finalizing their divorce. A divorce that seemed to be going, I mean, pretty, pretty okay. If you've ever been through a divorce with kids, you know, it's not exactly a walk in the park or a lot of fun for either parties. It's pretty traumatizing, actually. And it seemed on the outside that they were making the best kind of of what they could. It, it, It seemed, it seemed. But as you've probably come to know, if you've been listening to What the Actual Left for a while, everything isn't always what it seems. And that is why we are here today, for me to tell you the tale of Jackie Waller. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, oh, it's so great to be back! Sorry about that, my weirdness was showing. Let's go ahead and begin this episode. I know you're excited, let's go! all accounts, Jackie Waller is a loving mother who would never leave her three children. Her husband has been named a person of interest in her disappearance. Police do suspect foul play, but at this point they tell us they do not have enough evidence to establish that a crime was committed. We have to go back to 1971, to the town of Bonterre, Missouri. It was in this town, in this year, that Jackie Sue Rossin was born. She would be brought up by her parents and raised in St. Genevieve, Missouri, where she also lived with her sisters whom she loved dearly. Now, she may have loved her sisters and, you know, had a relationship with them. However, I'm, I'm an only child, so I can't really attest to this or relate. I have read and learned a lot that most siblings don't exactly get along during their young years. And this was the case with Jackie and her sister Cheryl. They were, they had somewhat of a toxic and tumultuous relationship. However, in Jackie's 30s, they became extremely close. The more Cheryl would learn about her sister's marriage would also make her realize that maybe her brother-in-law isn't a good person. It would also come to light that Cheryl wasn't the only one that had concerns. And all of this would come to a head on June 1st in 2011, when 39-year-old Jackie Waller disappeared. Joining me are Jackie Waller's mom, Ruby, and Jackie's sister, Cheryl Brennecke. 
Ruby and, and uh, Cheryl, thank you so much for joining us. Um, as you heard, I, I have triplet kids, and I know how hard triplet parenting is. Ruby, I want to ask you a tough question to start out with. Do, do you hold out hope that your daughter's alive? No, I wish I could. But he's been threatening her for a year, and um, I think that was his chance to do what he was going to do, and I think he did it. I know I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's back it up a little bit. Let's go back to the 90s. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Yep, you guessed it. That music means we are, in fact, in the 90s. This would be when Jackie and Clay first met. Initially, right off the bat, Jackie's parents were not very fond of Clay. They would end up not ever really even taking a real liking to him, which, listen, I'm all for people dating whoever the hell they want, no matter who likes them or not. Whatever, you do you, you're the one who needs to be happy at the end of the day. However, if you have people that are close to you who've known you your whole life that are a little weary of somebody, even though they've given them the chance to, you know, like be a cool person and be someone that they could like and this person just keeps showing that maybe they're just not a good person, maybe you should run. Maybe you should, but you know what? Jackie saw Clay for something he wasn't. A good person. Apparently, nobody else could see it though. Now, according to Jackie's parents, Clay did come off as very arrogant and he was just, quote, not really compatible with the family. That was a direct quote from Jackie's father. Now, Clay was, he was an unusual character. He had a stutter and was very socially awkward. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. I stutter sometimes and do not put me in a social situation because, y'all, I am so anxious, I will freak out and I will just shut down. So this isn't really what makes him awkward. What makes him awkward is just him. As a person, Clay is an awkward douchebag, which we will come to learn, but I want you to make your own opinion. Do not jump in the boat with me and go, you know what, right? I, I'm gonna go with you because, yeah, she's, she's running the show. She's gotta be correct. I want you to form your own opinion about Clay. But he's up there like I think of Chris Watts, a total fucking lion douchebag. But again, make your own opinions. Now, Clay was kind of a mooch. Now, he, he, okay, listen, he had a job from time to time, and for a good little while, he did hold a job down briefly at the sheriff's department, but he was terminated after a year, and from then, he would just bounce around from job to job, never really able to hold anything down for, for too long. However, Jackie did become a manager with the Blue Cross Blue Shield program or insurance company, aka Scam of America. Sorry, I don't have insurance and I, I hate the healthcare here in America. If you don't agree with me, that's fine. It's called a matter of opinion, but you know what? I don't care. I have my own opinion. You can have yours and we can agree to disagree. But she did have a job and she was supporting the family or at the time, her and Clay. At this time, also, she decided, you know what, Clay? I I think we should have a family. I think we should introduce a baby to the equation. So they began to try. Even though Clay didn't have a job and wasn't really doing a lot to hold the fort down, she was like, I got this and I would like to have a mini-me. What do you say? So they began. And they had issues. They couldn't have their own kids. It was taking it was taking a toll on the relationship. So they decided, let's go ahead and give in vitro fertilization a try. And guess what? 
it worked. Finally, on October 14th, 2005, her and Clay welcomed triplets, Avery, Maddox, and Addison. And if you thought right now would be a joyous time, oh my God, you would be so absolutely incorrect. And why is that? Because of Clay. She just embraced it from the word go. I mean, we would be in the car with three screaming kids and I would really be wanting to jump out and she would just start laughing. She loved being a mother to those triplets. If only they were the only ones who needed mothering. She was taking care of her husband. Oh, absolutely. It was just like having another child. I seriously do not think he changed one diaper. She would seriously get up nine or 10 times a night and still work 40 hours a week. According to Cheryl, Clay wasn't a very active parent and he would rarely even help Jackie care for their babies. However, on the flip side, Jackie embraced being a mother and enjoyed this now crazy lifestyle with her brand new triplets. Now, although Jackie was embracing being a mother, she became pretty irritated by the fact that Clay just seemed to want to have nothing to do with being a father. Jackie grew frustrated by this fact, the fact that Clay just seemed to want to have nothing to do with his kids. But this wasn't the only thing that was bothersome in their marriage. It would seem that Clay was emotionally and physically abusive to Jackie as well. This over time made her begin to start pulling away from Clay. Now because of this, she eventually approached him and said, you know what? I think it's best if we go our separate ways. And although Jackie handled this extremely well, especially for the fact that she was being abused and didn't blindside him, tried to work with him and did her best, especially for the sake of their children. Well, wouldn't you guess? Clay? <laughs> he didn't handle it well. I mean, obviously, that's why we're here. She knew that he had a lot of affairs. Did she ever confront Clay? Oh, yeah. And she'd say, he denies everything. But there were some things that Jackie knew to be true. According to her, Clay had become both emotionally and physically abusive. She wanted to divorce. And she told you that? Yes. But she said that she had to do it slowly to get out of it safely. The last Christmas that uh, they were together, uh, he came to the house and I, I knew they'd been having problems. Yes. I said to him, I said, I'm surprised you're here. And he said, I'm hanging on by my fingertips. You love your daddy? It was the day before Jackie's 39th birthday, what was to be her last year of life. Over that year is when things got worse and worse and worse. As Jackie became more determined to leave, Clay became more unhinged. This now brings us to December of 2010, just a few months before Jackie Waller would disappear. 
At this time, she started keeping a journal in her computer all about the threats that Clay was making to her. They had things like, I told him I was going to file for divorce. He said that he had a feeling one of us might not be around to watch our kids grow up. Another, he said divorce would be my death sentence. She even shared about a time that he threatened to kill her children and watch her in pain as she suffered their deaths. She told her sister and family that she was terrified for her life and the lives of her three kids. Sadly, however, her reasons for being terrified were very real and nobody would know how real until it was too late. She probably knew she was starting to move on her way and as you know, now it's the most dangerous time. The first 24 hours was the most dangerous and that she had to be very careful and to form a plan. Fearing for her life, Jackie Waller starts keeping a diary on her work computer of all the threats Clay was making towards her and her triplets. 39 tomorrow. Starting from not long before that big Christmas gathering, they read in part, Friday, December 3rd, I told him that I was going to file for divorce. He said that he had a feeling that one of us would not be around to watch our kids grow up. Friday, March 18th, Clay told me that I did not deserve to live. He told me that a divorce would be my death sentence and perhaps the most chilling entry of all. Wednesday, March 23rd, Clay told me that if he couldn't get me, he would kill our kids. He would take them for a weekend fishing trip and then he would personally tell me they drowned so he could see my face. Were you afraid for her? Absolutely. We were sitting here one day and she looked me square in the eye and she said, Cheryl, I know what he is capable of and I just don't want to be dead. We are now in the spring of 2011. At this time, Clay would lose another job and the couple would lose their house. This was an opportunity for Jackie. She used this break, this loss of their home, this loss of his job, this issue that arose in them to finally escape the clutches of Clay. She moved in with her sister and her brother-in-law and filed for divorce immediately. Clay then moved to Jackson, Missouri, and they both started to see other people and what seemed like they were moving on with their lives was beginning. It seemed as though all the fears that Jackie had were no reason to be. It seemed as though Clay was being mature. It seemed as though Clay was also accepting the divorce. But as we know, <laughs> things aren't always what they seem. This brings us to June 1st, 2011. Jackie would head up to Jackson to meet with Clay and their divorce attorney. She then called Cheryl after the meeting and said, you know what, I've got to run over to Clay's because I've got to pick up some stuff for my son Maddox. I'll let you know how it goes after. However, she didn't let her know how it went and she never returned home. To put it in layman's terms, Jackie was never heard from again. Dum dum dum! Sorry, sorry, I just, I really wanted to do that. And I just got this sick, sick feeling. And by this time, it's like 
6.30 or 7. And I start blowing up her phone. And I'm leaving her messages. But no response. So then she tried calling the man Jackie said she was going to see. Is he responding? Nothing. I finally said, Clay Waller, if I don't hear from my sister in five minutes, I am going straight to the police. And he said, so, well, you know, the phone rings. Hey, Cheryl, what's going on? I said, you know exactly what's going on. Where is my sister? You've done something to her. You told him that? Yes. What did he say? Well, I will, uh, if I see her, I'll let you know. I'll tell her to call you. Click. At this point, when Jackie fails to return to her sister Cheryl's, her sister starts calling her but doesn't get an answer, and of course she starts calling Clay and Clay isn't answering either. This leaves Cheryl with a very sinister feeling in the pit of her stomach. She just knows that Clay has done something to Jackie. Of course, Clay denies even having anything to do with her. He immediately tells Cheryl, I didn't do anything, but you know what, if I see her, I'll let you know. Have a good day, don't call the cops, bye! Of course, immediately Cheryl's like, yeah, okay, I don't believe you, buddy, so I'm gonna go ahead and file a missing persons report, alright, okay. And she gets in her car and does just that. Despite only a few hours going by since Jackie was last seen, police immediately spring into action. They believe that Jackie was actually in serious danger. Clay was immediately interviewed by detectives and he told authorities that Jackie did come over to his house. He said that they, quote, wanted to have one last hookup together. You know, because the ink was dry on the papers, that meant that they were never gonna do anything again, so why not get it in one more time? That was according to Clay. Now, what was this whole thing that she was either getting something for Maddox or she was gonna be picking up Maddox? What was going on there? Because Clay said he didn't have Maddox. So yeah, Jackie came over to like do some stuff, AKA we were gonna cuddle and take a nap. But it wasn't because she was getting Maddox or getting anything for him. He wasn't there. She was coming for me. Maddox, Clay claimed, was actually at his girlfriend's house in Illinois. Yeah, Clay's girlfriend at this point in time was watching his child as he was going to be, quote unquote, hooking up with Jackie or, sorry, taking a nap together. Huh. Yeah, okay. Seems fishy, but let's continue. He says that once Jackie got to the house, they had an argument. However, this didn't end with him doing anything bad to her. No, she decided to leave his house on foot and just walked off. She was very much alive and that was the last time he saw her. He didn't do anything. He then said since she left on foot, he went and got in his car, he left to go get a soda and then when he returned, her car was gone. So he assumed that maybe once she saw that he was gone, she came back, got her car and then she left. At least that's what he was claiming. He then went on to say that he had positively no idea where Jackie was. At this point, the major case squad is called in to investigate and quickly finds Jackie's car on the interstate with a flat tire. Now, this may seem like, okay, so she got in the car, was started to head out, and was like, oh shit, flat tire, and she pulls over. Except, as they look closer, they can tell that the tire was punctured intentionally. 
meaning this whole scenario is staged. Hmm, I don't know about you, but right now I'm thinking that Clay's looking a little bit, a little bit suspicious. Looks a little bit suspicious. We had no evidence, but police were listening. Most agencies will tell family members, look, you got to give this 24 hours at least. It had only been a couple hours at this point. Due to the circumstances of they, they had been at the divorce attorneys, something just didn't seem right from the get-go with this case. So we started working. In fact, right away, Jackson police sent a sergeant out to question Clay. The interaction is recorded. When was the last time you saw her? I was with her all day. Were you? Yeah. Clay tells the officer Jackie met him at a drugstore sometime after 11 a.m., then had lunch. After that, they split up until 3 when they met back up at their attorney's office. Okay. Good conversation. She didn't act like she was upset or anything? No. He says after the appointment, Jackie came over not to pick up her son, who Clay says is actually staying with his girlfriend in Illinois, but because she just wanted to discuss the divorce. The last time you actually saw her here. Okay. Yeah, that, I don't know, and then she, then we got, kind of got, we got in an argument over this makeup. Okay. Okay. She took off walking. She just walked off? Yeah. Did you go try to look for her in your car then? Yeah, I went down the hill. I didn't see her, and then I went, I went and got a soda to pull off. He says when he got back to his house sometime after six, her car was gone. Should I keep trying to call? I mean, it probably. The story sounds suspicious, and just hours later, authorities begin assembling a team of seasoned investigators known as the Major Case Squad. Well, the Major Case Squad consists of like seven different departments, and it was developed with the goal of taking the elite detectives, crime scene people from each agency, and putting them together. It's the best of the best. It is. this point, Clay was like, all right, I should probably get an attorney because it's looking real bad for me. And he did just that, along with also refusing to allow authorities to search his house or his car. However, this didn't stop them, and they did seek out and receive a search warrant quickly. They immediately found blood on Clay's car and in the back of Jackie's car. The forensics did come back after time, and the blood was found to be womp 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 fish blood. They then found a video on Clay's phone of him putting the blood on the cars to quote, test the police. That's right, Clay actually put this blood in the car to make it look as though there was some reason to be suspicious of him. But he did this in order to test the police, he says, or in the video, he says. This was all being done to play games with the authorities, all while they're actually looking for Jackie, who is still missing during all of this. The search warrants did find more evidence as well. Blood spots were noted in the hallway of Clay's home and in the carpet of the area that had been removed. Eventually, they found the carpet though, and it was soaked in blood. Now, I, I hear you. So where was the carpet? Like, wh where was it? Like, he hit it well, right? Like, if, if it was him, like, he hit it really well and they were just like, damn, you almost got away with this. No, 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 and more no. 
This dumbass hid this blood-covered carpet in a crawl space under his house. Yeah, right down there in the basement. Just real fucking smart. And you know what he told authorities when they were like, so, uh, quick question. You said you don't know what happened to Jackie. That's weird because, like, we just found a, a car carpet that actually fits the removed carpet in your hallway. And, uh, it's covered in what looks like her blood. So, what... What what do you what do you want what do you want to say about that? Like what's going on here? He said, oh yeah, she had a nosebleed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bad. So uh, I instead of cleaning it or just telling you guys about it, I cut it all out and I hid it. <clears throat> Nothing to see here. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> authorities took this as a real significant piece of evidence, and at this point, they believed that Jackie was dead. Might be willing to, to say a few words today? Well, I'll say it after the thing. Okay. I'll say it, I'll say it after the thing. Is there anything you'd like to say beforehand? Anything to the community or? I just, I just miss my wife and my kids and we're just, we're just, we're just you know, trying to fight to see them. Do you think you'll get that? Um, well, I hope so. I mean, it's, it's been a, hard time for us all so we're just gonna just just um, you know, keep hoping for the best the best well i just can't i can't change how people feel um, i mean it, there's a lot of emotions that are, are running high right now um we just i just don't know what to say yet I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I'm just, we're all just sad. It's just sad on on both sides of the um, fence here. And still want to let people know that you didn't have anything to do with what's going on here and you want what everyone else wants. You want to find your wife? For sure, yeah. That's We want her to come home alive. And we just, I still... Now, video surveillance would show that Clay had gone to a toy store the evening that Jackie had disappeared. He didn't do this alone. Him and his girlfriend and his son, Maddox, decided to go together and, I guess, do a little shopping. Also, it was noted that on his truck was a boat and a large trash bin. Later that night, another camera with surveillance footage would show Clay vigorously cleaning his boat. Then there were witnesses in Alexander County, Illinois, just on the other side of the Mississippi River. They said that they saw a man in a boat near a sandbar called Devil's Island. This would lead police to search the area. Sadly though, they would find no sign of Jackie. This did not deter nor stop the searching. And Devil's Island became a very big location for said searches. Now, although the search continued on, Clay had nothing to do with it. In fact, Clay would taunt and even laugh at the searchers. While police continued to investigate Clay as well, Cheryl would fight to have Jackie's kids in her custody. You see, there were plenty of suspicions around Clay. 
Which, I mean, rightly so. If, if you're following the same story, I think you'd agree. Well, the family court was also following along and were like, yeah, you know what? Clay seems a little bit suspicious. So like, Cheryl, you are more than welcome to take the kids. And Cheryl was granted custody of them. Yeah, of course Clay was like, yeah, fuck you, bitch, and was extremely pissed off over this. He got so angry that he began posting and threatening all kinds of things about Cheryl. And where'd he do this? On the internet. Again, this guy's a fucking genius. Yeah, this guy was just posting all about how he was going to eventually kill Cheryl. He was just telling anyone and everybody that I'm, I'm gonna kill my wife's sister. I'm just gonna fucking, I'm gonna kill her. I'm gonna end her. She took my kids. It's not my fault. I didn't do anything. Fuck her. I want my kids and she has to die. Seriously, guys, he was blabbering it. Just the internet was his like diary, his tell all. Fuck Cheryl. I want her dead. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it just like I did her sister. I'm kidding. He didn't say that last part, but he might as well have. Well, as you can guess, police would arrest Clay. Oh, but, but, shocker, twist in this story, it had nothing to do with Jackie's case. This was only because of the death threat that he made online. Also, he was currently facing charges of theft for stealing from a previous job. So right now, at this point in the tale, Clay is looking, well, he's looking like he's up shit creek and he don't have a fucking paddle. But it's about to get a little bit worse. Though there was no audio recorded, Clay tells Ritter that the blood in the hallway, that was, quote, the result of an accident in the kitchen, which, according to Clay, was not a big deal. The carpet, the blood, was it enough at the time, did you believe, to move forward with a murder case against him? I think we all knew we were on the right track, but we knew we needed more without a body to, to feel comfortable going forward. Eventually, even though there was no body, prosecutors were able to get enough circumstantial evidence together and charge Clay with the first-degree murder of Jackie. Now, this is a very rare occurrence. Usually, if you don't got a body, you don't have a crime. However, as stated, there was a lot of evidence against Clay. So much so that they didn't really need a body. Clay was most likely gonna go down for what looked like the murder of Jackie. So, eventually, Clay's attorney was like, Hey, hey, prosecutors, can we meet? Can we talk for a minute? I was gonna see about maybe, like, arranging a plea deal because my client is fucking scared. So, that's exactly what happened. Okay, well, kind of, because, again, we're dealing with Clay, and he's a real fucking douchebag. So here is what Clay agreed to. He agreed to tell the authorities where they could find Jackie's remains, all in exchange for a 20-year sentence. With Jackie's family's blessing, the prosecutors made a deal with Clay Waller. Nearly two years after Jackie had disappeared, Clay told detectives Jackie was buried under a tree on Devil's Island. Yep, right there where witnesses said they had saw a man on a boat. And guess what? It was, in fact, Clay. Eventually, her remains were recovered and her family was able to lay her to rest. 
Clay then confessed on camera to the murder of Jackie Waller. Clay would go on to admit that over a year before he took her life, Jackie told him that she wanted a divorce. He said, quote, you take those kids from me, Jackie, and I will kill you. That is what he told authorities and investigators. He said, quote, I warned her. I told her what I would do. He admitted to digging a hole in Illinois to bury her. And he did this before he even met with her that day. He planned her whole demise for quite some time. But according to Clay, he warned her. I told you, Clay is a fucking douchebag. He couldn't pinpoint where she was at. <clears throat> it was a large area. He says, well, she's here somewhere. Then, a clue in one of the gruesome details of Clay's crime. One key thing he had told us was he had put a bag of fertilizer on her body when he buried her. One of the detectives indicated if you have too much fertilizer, it kills the roots of a tree. And that's when they see it. One of my detectives, an agent Ritter, was studying the area and they saw three trees and one of the trees was completely dead and there buried under that tree the end of one very long road was jackie dug up by hand out there yes i did it myself we started to dig down and and we first found uh, her knee uh, we could feel the skeletal remains with the blue jeans and the next day we recovered her and uh, it was the first step of, for her trip home Now, they may have a plea deal, and he may follow through on exactly what they ask. He delivers Jackie's remains. But his confession? That is, that's something. He continues to give false information. He says that on the day that he met with Jackie, they did in fact see the divorce attorney. But afterwards, Jackie says that she wants one last bang from him. The two just need to have a little session. And Clay was like, you know what? Fuck yeah, let's do this. I miss you too, baby. Mm, let's go. However, once they get to the house, something happens in the hallway and he accidentally hits her in the nose with his head, which leads to a gusher of a nosebleed. Of course, that leads him to have to get rid of that carpet instead of telling anybody what happens because, well, it looks weird because now she's missing. But it, it wasn't what you're thinking. It really was just a nosebleed. It was an accident. However, this also upset Jackie and she looks at him and is like, I can't believe you hit me in the nose and caused me to bleed my own blood. So I'm going to go to police and I'm going to tell them that you hit me and I'm going to win the kids. Okay, thank you. Well, this pissed off Clay. I mean, this is all his confession. I'm serious, guys. This pissed him off so much that she had the audacity to threaten to go to the police because, well, here she is with this gusher of a nosebleed. Again, his own quote. So he's so mad that she has the nerve to threaten this that he just decides to beat her to death and then strangle her because that'll shut her up. Yeah. So, by the way, this was all, as he claims, a crime of passion. Her, he lost control. It wasn't planned. It's not premeditated at all whatsoever. He really only had her over so they could do it. You know, they were going to fuck. However, it doesn't explain, if you want to say all of that is true, 
why he buried her in a hole that he dug the day before. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm not even going to entertain his confession. I can't. It, it, it changed so much. And then the details also were just, they were fucking illogical, to, to, to say the least. But then, to, to the cherry on fucking top, that it's not premeditated according to Clay. You know, he says that it, he lost control. He was just so angry that she had the nerve d during an accidental nosebleed that she got. All because she wanted to have sex with him and he accidentally hit her in the nose. That she was gonna tell the police that he was beating her? I don't think so. Uh-uh. So I'm gonna show you how that is so untrue by killing you. You know, I'm not abusive. I'm just a murderer. But also, he just happened to have a convenient hole buried that... Oh, that he could bury her. I don't, I'm just saying, like, it falls apart. It's like a taco. It, it, it just falls to pieces. <clears throat> but, uh, hey, you be the judge. Uh, let's continue, though, okay? The president of the room is Brian Ritter, prosecuting attorney Andrew Woodruff, and Clay Waller. Oh, 39 tomorrow. Huh. Clay says the wheels were really set in motion the year before Jackie died when she first started talking about splitting up. She said, I think I'm going to take our kids. And I, I was very calm. And I said, I, I looked at her and I said, you take those kids from them, Jackie. I'm going to kill you. So something I really feel I should share with you is disturbing and mildly fucked up. No, You know what? It's not mildly fucked up. It's super fucked up. But if you are like me, you do want to know some details when it comes to this just heinous shit that happens. Clay would actually admit to something that's fucking disturbing, and that is the fact that Jackie's body was in the back of the truck in that trash bin that was seen on surveillance cameras while Maddox and Clay's girlfriend were with him. That's right, while they were at Toys R Us on a shopping spree with Maddox, his dead mother was in the back of that very same vehicle. And that right there would be known as Exhibit A, of reasons why I am losing my faith in humanity. Of course, although he did follow through with his plea deal and led them to Jackie, and he did confess in his own way, and you know, to say he took some creative liberties with his confession would be an understatement. I think the impact of just how fucked up what I just told you is was really made when Maddox, Jackie's son, spoke to his father in court. Before Clay is taken away to serve out his time, he's forced to stand up in court and listen to Jackie's loved ones give victim impact statements, the most dramatic testimony coming from his own son. Maddox, he was determined. He, his voice was going to be heard. I wish you were near my dad, you big fat jerk. I never want to see you inside my entire life. We don't like you anymore. This is the last time you'll hear of me. Okay? Bye. I don't know about you, but as a parent, that would fucking break me. 
However, while that was being said to him, he didn't flinch. He showed no emotion, no anything, no remorse, nothing. He just sat there and didn't even give two shits that his son just said, I hate you, dad. I fucking hate you. Again, (laughs) Clay's a douchebag, but he's also a dumbass. You see, he may be only able to get 20 years for the murder of Jackie, but while he was confessing, he did admit to another crime. He violated a rarely imposed federal law against interstate acts of domestic violence. Because Clay dug a grave in Illinois, then went to Missouri with the intent to commit domestic violence. Maybe it wasn't murder, but he was definitely pissed off. He committed federal crimes in addition to his murder charge in the state of Missouri. He then pled guilty to those added charges and was sentenced to an additional 35 years in a federal prison. Oh, but don't worry, these 35 years do not even begin until his 20-year sentence in Missouri is complete. Mr. Waller, the state has alleged that on or about June 1st of 2011 in Cape Girardeau County, Missouri, you committed the Class A felony of murder in the second degree and that you knowingly caused the death of Jackie Sue Waller by repeatedly striking her about the head and face and by pressing your forearm against her neck with all the weight of your body, thereby suffocating her, (laughs) resulting in her death. What did you do that makes you guilty of that offense? I did that. Now, before we go, I do want to tell you that Clay Waller did try to make money off of the murder of Jackie. Yeah, so even though he wasn't exactly the most honest in his confession, he wrote a manuscript for a book. This book was called, If You Take My Kids, I'll Kill You. Okay, calm down there, Liam Neeson. However, instead of getting a multi-million dollar book deal, this just landed him in more hot water. His manuscript would become evidence in the case against him, and he didn't get that deal he wanted so badly. But Clay Waller is currently in Missouri state custody, and once he finishes his 20 years, he'll be sent to federal custody to carry out his 35 years. And the triplets are currently living with Cheryl and Bob, who legally adopted them. Maddox, Avery, and Addison are told every day of their mother Jackie and just how much she loved them. And that is the case of Jackie Waller. Alright guys, I hope you have a wonderful day and I can't wait to talk to you guys on the next episode of What the Actual F. I know, I won't take a long break, at least not for a little while. (laughs) Can't promise it won't happen again, but I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and it really is so great to be back. So until next time, I love you guys. And remember, you can send me an email anytime at whatstheactualeffharmony at gmail.com. However, until we meet here again, I love you guys and stay safe. Because remember, I never want to tell a tale about you. Love you later. Bye. He shot himself in the foot over and over and over because he thinks he's the smartest person in the room, but he is absolutely not.